And we're back. Mike, Mike, and Oscar getting back into the Oscar Sprint Profile Groove on this August 9th, 2019, or the six-year anniversary of the Disney animated classic, Planes. No. Yeah. How dare you mention that movie <laughs> when we're reviewing movie. this movie. Yeah, well, that's what we're doing today is The Farewell. <laughs> not, not exactly Planes at all, but we're covering the Aquafina, uh, the movie The Farewell. A lot of things, a lot of people, I should say, are high on this movie. A lot of high scores, making decent money at the box office. A lot of buzz for Oscars. We're going to go over all of it and then some. Uh, I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Yeah, also Mike here. We've got a non-spoiler section that'll build up to an Oscar lens, and then we'll break down the plot and spoilers. I do want to make one quick ask of you once more. We're trying to rack up five-star reviews for a, an application that we're about to submit. So if you can, scroll down on your iTunes and uh, you'll see the five stars show up. Just click that fifth star for us. That would really help. We definitely have enough fans out there that will hit this number very easily. Uh, if you guys can just do that, that, that would be awesome, and we thank you. And, of course, if you want to leave a written review, that helps a great deal as well, like we've said all along. But definitely, if we can meet this number for this application, it's a big deal for us. Yeah, and we're going to probably inundate you with that ask for the next uh, foreseeable future. So we're going to annoy you until you for do us. It. So, yeah, if you just do it... <laughs> stop asking it's really that easy it's quick scroll scroll <laughs> scroll click for those of you that have not joined us before for an oscar sprint profile and maybe some of you because it's been quite a while since we've given a full-fledged breakdown we did kind of an osp which is shorthand for oscar sprint profile for once upon a time in hollywood but that was part of our larger tarantino rewatch series we do what we call oscar sprint profiles or osps for the big should be would be and could be oscar contending films every year we've done this since this podcast started a couple years ago what that means is we take a a movie that has some Oscars buzz and we put it through the paces we give it a non-spoiler review that's where we go through the production values the performances the specs of the film we hold it up to an Oscars lens like also Mike told you then you will get a spoiler warning that will lead you to the spoiler section where we break down the highs the lows our bests and worsts the plot breakdown etc etc so if you've not seen The Farewell yet don't worry we're not going to spoil it for you in the first half of this review it will be all non-spoiler or at least things that we can't spoil talking about facts figures and numbers and performances with all of that said, let's get right into it. Mike's going to start us off breaking down the cast and crew in the non-spoiler section of the Farewell's Oscar Sprint Profile. Written and directed by Lulu Wong, she did a great interview with Scott Feinberg on the Awards Chatter podcast. Listen to that to hear her backstory. Listen to the In Session Film podcast and our friends at Next Best Picture. They talked to Lulu as well. Great episodes all. So her first film, Posthumous, came out in 2014. You seen it? I did not. Yeah. Uh, she did a radio episode about this particular story, about mm -hmm. Nai Nai, her grandmother, on This American Life, and that aired in 2016. Wildly popular podcast. Yeah, she debuted this story about her grandma on the radio, and essentially producers contacted Lulu after that and basically wanted her to make this into a movie, and her production company, her producer friend that she had teamed up for Posthumous, they were all about it. Uh, she met Aquafina around that time, and... Aquafina gets the script. The, her manager was just like, hey, just read this script. Aquafina was raised by her grandmother. Right, and I wonder if this came, this interaction happened before or after Aquafina took the SNL stage uh, last year. I would imagine this happened prior to that, but yeah. in her SNL monologue, Aquafina made a deal about saying hi to her grandmother and talked about her family life, and it's well known that she was raised by her grandmother as well, so this is kind of playing right in. Like, when I watched Aquafina interviews, I had mm -hmm. to remind myself this isn't her story. <laughs> She's just the actress in this movie. This is Lulu Wong's story. And it was fascinating to listen to Lulu on all the interviews, basically tell Aquafina, like, listen, you you're not me, though, right. because you got to be you, otherwise this will be very confusing. Right. So you got to put your own spin on it. So I thought that was all very healthy, and it, it made for a really strong film. Uh, so, yes, Aquafina, breakout star of the last few years, Ocean's 8, Crazy Rich Asian. She plays the Lulu Wong kind of character here, Billy, as the protagonist. One of the brightest stars right now. Her, I mean, she is on the... A hot streak. Oh, absolutely. Sima from Rush Hour, The Quiet American, and Arrival. He plays Billy's dad. He's really good in a lot of things. He's great in everything he does. He's an awesome interview, too. Oh, yeah? Like, I haven't, I haven't seen much stuff of him. He's such a cool guy. He was talking to Kevin Smith at Sundance. Cool. And he's got a cool delivery. I, I really like him. He's he's a pro, old pro. Yeah. He's been, been around, around a long time. On the block. Diana Lynn from The Family Law plays Billy's mom. I thought she was just a sleeper hit in this movie. She was awesome. She was... Neutral. 
I mean, if, the, if every film has a, a breakdown and a paradigm, she was true neutral. For a character casting that I still don't get, whatever that structure is you talk about, <laughs> neutral, chaotic, good, chaotic, evil, I still don't get that. I never learned that. But uh, you, I guess you're right. I just say things and hope people don't question me later. <laughs> Shurjan Zhao plays her grandmother, or Nainai. Good job, and I'd like to take this opportunity to remind everyone this is an Italian man and a Polish man trying to pronounce some Chinese names, so I our looked apologies. Them all up on YouTube. Yeah. I looked them all up. We're doing I, our best to be I'm respectful. Doing my best. I apologize if I'm not getting it right. Uh, I think this is my favorite story, though, about the film, is that Billy's real great aunt, yeah. little Nainai, his, her grandmother's sister, mm-hmm. Lulu's real great aunt is in this movie. And the fact that she's in this movie is because she has a dog that sings. That's why Lulu said she had to have her real great aunt in the movie. Not because her real Yeah, not because her real great aunt is the uh, you know, the real instrumental person behind this entire storyline. Right. Not because her great aunt is actually a natural and carries every scene. Which she is, yes, absolutely. The poise on this woman to pull these things off. She I mean your eye is drawn to her in the close ups of the family. Oh, she's the conscious, without question. She's incredible in this movie. I she absolute natural. But because she had a singing dog, and the dog would only sing for her. And Lulu Wong wanted her, the singing dog of her little Nai Nai. Is her the singing aunt. dog in this? I don't yes. Know. When is it? Maybe you were looking down. Yeah, I mean, I have realized The dog was that. like, <laughs> I thought you would have been your best scene in the movie. I, I, I made, I, well, this, was, this is an international film. I was taking notes during it, so maybe I just didn't write it. I thought it was a human. I don't know, but <laughs> okay, good to know. I'm very worried about this review now. Mike, you have some specs. Uh, yeah, let's talk about The Farewell. It's an old, old wooden ship. Uh, written and directed by Lulu Wong, like also Mike told you, once only her second feature-length written or directorial effort. Uh, Mike already told you all of that. Lots of producers are getting a piece of this film. Daniel Melia, Peter Seraf, and Mark Turtletob of Big Beach are all producers. Chris Weitz is here, as he was for the movie Boyhood. Andrew Miano of Little Fockers is here. <laughs> Jang Zhang and Anita Gao are listed, the latter of which is a rising name, in the industry, having landed a producer credit previously on To the Bone and Assassination Nation, as well as 2019 film Honey Boy, having accomplished all of this by the age of 28. So we hate her. Oh, and- wow. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. But this movie is kind of Little Fockers meets Boyhood. I could see that being. Yeah, I could see the argument. <laughs> That's a good for that. blend. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, and of course, Lula Wong gets a producer's credit on this as well. Some of the uh, technical aspects of this and the departmentalization of this film, which is an easy word for me to say, uh, really done by people that don't have a wealth of experience in this field, or at mm. least not with made major playing movies. Well, what was cool about this is that Lulu got accepted into the Sundance Institute mm-hmm. for second films. I forget the name of the program. But basically for directors that have put out a first movie and are trying to figure out how to shape their career with their second film. Oh, awesome. This was kind of her project leading towards that. or I, I don't know if she did a short film for that. Right. Because she was in a bunch of fellowships. She's, she's, she's got some shorts to her on her resume as well. And... The fact that this producer group and this film crew, I think they're incorporated, you know, with her kind of. So indie, she kind of got to pick from a pool. You think? That, I don't know, but I, I definitely know that like her little production company was a, a group of kind of curated. It sounds right. like. Yeah, that's, that's People pretty cool. that have been working with her for a couple things. Alex Weston gets credit for the music. He's done previously for films such as H and Indignation. Uh, Anna Solano does the cinematography, as she has in the 2017 film Indiana. Michael Taylor and Matthew Friedman get credit for the editing, and A24 got the distribution rights for a reported $6 million deal yeah. at Sundance. This is an indie film love fest. She, uh, she's just grabbed from indie film stalwarts that she liked. And she likes a lot of really obscure films mm-hmm. that I basically wrote down to, like, oh, I have to watch them. <laughs> A24 is the headliner for me there. I mean, look, we talk. It's been a running narrative throughout the last couple of award season. They've gotten their hands on some great properties, and the four-year consideration campaigns have just not been up to par. To their credit, they got impeccable taste. They put out a lot of good stuff, and they've helped develop a lot of these as well. The, The question is they're not putting eggs in the... Oscar campaigning yeah. baskets yet they're more cons- you know they have different priorities I guess we could say but we get upset that that eighth grade and hereditary right. don't get those nominations and makes such a big splash to the screenwriting guild awards and yet he's not found last year at the Oscars Tony Collette we raved about 
no campaign for her. She falls short. She only gets nominated at the Critics' Choice. That's her uh, kind of campaign last year. So, hey, 24 would like to see them do a little more to represent their films come award season this year. We'll see how that goes. This film, The Farewell, did debut at Sundance this year in January, where it finished as a nominee for the Grand Jury Prize and started appearing limited in theaters on July 12th. It has a 98-minute runtime and a PG rating and a production budget of roughly $3 million, according to Business Insider. The financials have been steadily great for such a small film, as it's currently collected a $7.5 million domestic box office and its weekend gross has only grown as it's been expanded into more theaters during each of its first three weeks of its theatrical run here. Yeah, and it's more next week too. Yeah, of most note is probably the fact that it opened with a nearly $89,000 per theater average gross Excellent. during its debut weekend despite it's having only opened on four screens. That number, that nearly $89,000 <laughs> per screen number would be the highest per theater average gross for any movie since the favorite opened last thanksgiving and lulu wong is very clear and she doesn't uh, avoid a chance to mention that her per screening average was better than the avengers yes it was yes it was <laughs> yes it was speak of the truth <laughs> Uh, it's held up critically as well, as the film currently carries an 8.2 IMDb rating, albeit on just under 3,000 reviews there. What can't be questioned, though, is its 99% certified fresh Rotten Tomato score mm -hmm. on 201 critic reviews, with the average critic scoring the movie an 8.78 out of 10. Mm. And while I won't criticize Martha K. Baker of KDHX St. Louis for being the lone critic to keep the farewell from having a perfect 100% tomato meter score... Oh. I will just mention that Martha K. Baker also previously gave rotten reviews to recent films such as Us, Coco, no, and Crazy Rich Asians. What? How do you dislike those movies? Who hurt you, Martha? <laughs> us, I get. Like us, right? Us, I'm under. I can understand we, that. We did a two-part OSP on that yeah. earlier in the year. We understand that one, but Coco, Crazy Coco? Rich Asians. Are you kidding? <laughs> you just don't like movies. Oh, boy. All right. Well, The Farewell is making do, however. You're in the wrong business. <laughs> in spite of that lone score, as it's also pleased audiences to the tune of an 89% audience score on Rotten Tomato, as well as having pleased enough critics to land a 90 meta rating, which currently ties it for the fourth highest rated film of 2019, according to the site. Wow. Yeah, I, I can't get over the fact that there's one critic, one holdout. Like, can you imagine if that was you? What no. happens? What happens? <laughs> I don't like, like you are so invalidated by the audiences and the rest of the world and all the other critics. I'm not trying to call her out. I'm sure we, she we has did. her reasons. No, but we're down the line. Yeah, here. we're too we're too far into it now. <laughs> we're far from the shallow as it may be. I don't know. I, I mean, how can you not at least is this movie above average, which is what basically the tomato meter is? Is it worth your time or not? That's the only that's fresh versus rotten essentially. Right. This is certainly worth your time Something to Something pissed her off yeah. in that movie. I'd be curious. I'm going to have to read that review now. Yeah. Expectations teaser review, our theater-going story, Mike. We did see this together. Hand in hand, per we, usual. Uh, yesterday, which was which was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, I did expect more Oscar grabbiness yeah. when I saw this film for the first time and, and with you again yesterday. I was like waiting for those big Oscar mm -hmm. reel scenes that really never came. This is much more of a nuanced film about the family about the complex issues it's it's a bit uh, subdued I, I would say but it doesn't lack style it doesn't lack feeling and it doesn't lack narrative per se it's just done in like i said in, in subtler ways emotion too i would say i was surprised at the tone of a couple times i mean this is a very funny movie right i was shocked at how much i laughed you were guffawing yeah there was a couple scenes that really got me good <laughs> and got me right in the feels but i didn't like i was expecting to be near tears and i this is not that movie you might have been laughing harder because it was out of a defense mechanism i'm sure as i usually do as maybe well, yeah we both do it's my first watch mm -hmm. i'm by myself you were choked up you said I was choked up. I was trying really hard. I had the suds in the back of mm -hmm. my throat, right. which is gross, but it, you get it if right. you've almost cried or if you've been a man who tries not to cry at movies often, as often as I do. Yeah, who needs toxic masculinity, yeah, right? right? Damn my... But I will, me. like, and I was, maybe it's because I had that expectation. You had told me that right. before. And you're, my first time seeing it was your second time, but I, I just never got near that point where I'm like... This is something that's that's pulling at my heartstrings. I was waiting and waiting and waiting for that moment. Now, forgive me a moment. Are you further away from your grandparents passing on? 
Because yes. that's a little. It's yes. much closer for me. And I was like yeah. three and four years I've been ago. A, I was a teenager. And, okay, and my 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 other grandmother's struggling now. She's ninety one. She just had a stroke. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing this right. after hanging out with her a right. little bit, and I'm free. I saw it a couple weeks. I'm freaking out. Right. And th- that it just really hit home for me. It brought back waves of memories. And it's just—it's one of those things where I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm still a little raw. So you're—you're you're going back like 15, 18 years. Well, and you make a good point, and I think this kind of speaks to Aquafina's performance. Not that we're going to get into performances wholeheartedly, but maybe just to preview it—that she really, I, I think, going through this movie and seeing her relationship with her grandmother in this movie, it, yeah, it's really indicative. And you are really—if you're around your grandparents, you get to a certain age. I was too young to really have this kind of worldview when I lost all of my grandparents, but mm-hmm. if I still had them around me, I certainly would be staring at them from across the room and hearing about their stories and we were fascinated in them as people and yeah. interested, you know, so I, I, I think she did a great job of relaying that as well. That's good. And I notice it, the same thing with my younger brothers, like they, they don't know all the stories. Right. Like, like so many things happen in this movie. I'm like, oh my God, that's Grammy. That's yeah. Nana. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was fun. It, it was fun to watch, uh, you know, from an entirely different culture, the right. same yeah. grandma, the same nine awesome. that we all have. Let's uh, review production values. I think we'll probably go a little quicker today. Famous last words. So <laughs> cinematography is sparse. It's simple. There's a couple show-off scenes, but it's more about the characters than it is the setting, I would say. Yeah, and I think that might be purposeful because kind of the setting and showing off the town, we're not seeing like the great history, all these Chinese landmarks mm-hmm. when we're in this town in China. We're seeing it's very homogenized, very the same. Mm-hmm. We're kind of maybe in a lower income area. Uh, I think it's it's purposeful. There's not much to be shown other than it's right. home. The best shots to me are at the dinner table right. or a couple of the stylistic shots that will go over. Food. Spoiler. Oh, the oh food. my God. My, the my food big, got me. Look, yeah. my biggest issue with this film, by far, by like 10 points, yeah. if I can rate it, <laughs> is all the delicious food uh, not being eaten. Good Lord. And being so shown. Good. Oh, it looks delicious. I'm not a sucker for food like you are either, and my <laughs> mouth was watering. I was just like, give me, just show, give me 90 minutes of them yeah. eating. Oh, I would be Lord. thrilled. But, you know, the production design, look, it, sh- this is shot on location. Right. Nine Eyes actual stomping grounds, which I think is, is a great story behind the scenes. We'll talk about it later. This is why I think that st- some things like The Favorite kind of cheat a little bit when they get recognized and glorified for their production design because mm-hmm. a movie like this is shot on location, which means it's in small apartments, it's in small venues, it's at a cemetery. Y- you take it for what it is. You, it's everyday outings or maybe a few special occasions thrown along the way. Massage parlor, right. at the apartment. To me, it felt like a visit. Right. right, I felt I didn't feel like a tourist. I felt like I, I'm a college kid. And I'm going home to visit my roommates, hanging out with my friend or something. Yeah, your family. my roommate's yeah. hometown, and we're just kind of hanging out. We don't have to do all the museums or the whatever. I mean, yeah, you drive around, you see the arches. Yeah, you walk around, you see those trees with the white bottoms. Right. I thought that's fascinating. Yeah. But we got to spend, you know, ninety minutes in the real Chongqing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it felt. And I thought that was great. And yeah, we get the special occasion thrown in there, but and I, this it won't felt be, like a day in the life. And this won't yeah. be, you won't sniff a production design nomination. No. You know, where something like The Favorite, you go on location to a castle. That's why we say half the work. I mean, yes, they made it look pretty and they certainly did it up, but half the work's done for you. But this is more about authenticity. Right. It's right. just a matter of a difference of film. So, so editing that slow motion walk down the street with the whole family. I thought that was really stylistic. I, I don't know if you count that towards cinematography or the editing. I just loved it. Uh, it happens twice in, in the film. I thought the most stylistic shot for me was when there's a scene, Aquafina's got to literally race down a sidewalk running and she yeah. stops to catch her breath and she runs all one shot until she reaches her destination, which, I, which was probably the most, I mean, there's not a whole lot of high technical shots in this, which is fine because it, that's not what the movie's it about. It fits the story right. and it serves the story and, it, and it's all very well done. Mm-hmm. I, I was even surprised, like there's one shot that you're supposed to get dizzy, I didn't get dizzy. Like it's obviously would make you dizzy, but I, I stared at it and I was like, yeah, I'm staring at the shot in particular. Let me see if I get dizzy here. I did not get dizzy. So that, again, you know, very great job by the cinematographer. Said that with tears and, streaming down your face. <laughs> I'm dizzy! I come out with cross-eyed like, oh no. Movie's got nothing. 
All right, so we're going to get into the music now. I think the score is simple but effective. It's emotional. There's a few variations uh, of the, like, it's almost hymnal. This was a confusing score because (laughs) I'm laughing and guffawing, and yet for the majority of the time that we're spending with the grandmother, expecting to say farewell to her at some point, Mm -hmm. the music is, is like, almost funeral-like. It's very soft and solemn and sad, even though the family's having highlights and laughing and getting together. And then at the end of the movie, the music's uplifting a little bit. And it's a little backwards from what I would have expected from uh, from this type of score and this type of movie. That's I totally agree. But the bottom line is it was effective. And then you get yes. the, uh, the fun music towards the end, which is, it makes us happier. So production values in terms of an Oscar lens, we don't think we're getting noms here. Probably not, I would say. But the caveat being... We're at this point now, a lot of Oscar films, are, or at least what we thought would be Oscar films, are coming out, yeah. and some of them are getting crushed. They're already falling off the map, yeah. some so, of these Oscar films. So and that, the first half yeah. of 2019 did not provide a litany of Oscar nominees. This is universally beloved. It might get momentum right. in some of the bigger categories. And an indie film is, always does. Every single year, yes. there's one that cra- grabs hold and just is along for the ride. So this we never know. be it. Okay, the casting of Aquafina is impeccable to transition into performances here. She really does resemble Lulu Wong. <laughs> it's great. She's, I mean, she's at this point now, I think she's going to be just a, a super duper star. So she's got a big scene, Aquafina. Yeah. Does she get enough Oscar scenes to get that nomination at the end of the day? She's in my five as of now. I think she's number three or four. She's not. I don't. I. She probably gets bumped if she's in the three or four position for me. Like, what are we talking about here, though? Like, yeah, I don't think it's going to be there at the end of the day. If I had to bet right now, gun to my head, I would say she doesn't make the list of five. It's probably going to finish as a top twenty performance for me on the year. Big question. I know she's the protagonist of the film, but it is an ensemble. Could she at all? get bumped down to supporting, supporting? Well, I think she might have a better chance if she did but cuz that's wide open right now yeah, supporting yeah, that's that's a good point maybe I mean that would be that would be something else but, but my point what I was trying to say is like this is this girl's first featured dramatic role and we're talking about her as just being in mm-hmm. the Oscars picture mm-hmm. that's fantastic I feel like it, there's self-awareness in these scenes too because she pauses a lot of times where she's not the kind of character that loves the big emotional argument with an, with her family members. And she's also reserved because she knows her family mm-hmm. is suffering as much as she is by, by the fact that her, her grandmother's having trouble. And she, she's got that awareness in these dramatic scenes where she's like, I, I know I'm causing a scene. Let me taper it back for a half a second, but I can't help it. And I lo- I love that degree. Maybe that's me reading it a strange way. No, but I, don't I think really it enjoyed it. I, I think there is a, there's a measured and the relationship she has with her family is it's very relatable in the sense that I was kind of outraged that she didn't choose to yell and cause more of a scene during certain <laughs> parts because that's how my family would be. How would treat I those would situations. be. How you exactly. Would be. exactly. <laughs> like that's how. But that's that's you know that's the difference between our culture and their culture and they're more reserved and yeah. more or maybe this particular family. Uh, yeah. Cerebral absolutely. about yeah, yeah. Uh, the approach. So. Yeah, I, I think the relatability, but there was still that difference that shined through. There's definitely a practicality from these characters, like her mother in particular. Like, she's the god of practicality in this movie. Like, yeah. everything she says is just, ba- and everything she does is, like, based on, all right, here's what we got to do Very measured next. and calm approach. And here's what you should do. Yeah. You should stay home and work. Or yep. you should do, you know, I, there's a lot of tough love there from Agreed. Diana Lynn's character. I, I loved her relationship with her mother. It's a big deal to the film. Yeah, I don't know that I would say Aquafina is going to make the picture, but I could see it fight for an ensemble not at like the sags yeah. certainly because i think this was very well casted Ca- yeah casting maybe at the at the, at the uh, baftas yeah Baptist. her father and uncle i thought these two performances were excellent awesome i, I really thought Shocked they were they're the, not actually brothers they were the sleeper performances yeah. of the film for me if you can't if you don't count i already said the sleeper performance it was the, <laughs> it was the real person the little nine <laughs> you're arguing for an ensemble <laughs> Lou Hung. No, Lou Hung. yeah i guess i am <laughs> i love the cousin it was a great job by Chen Han. He's funny. He pulls off a lot of sadness as well. Best laugh of the whole movie. <laughs> His fiance Aiko, she's my hero. If if the cousin, I have so many questions about what's going on here. If I'll the, save them for spoilers. If the niece is not our hero, because right. she might be our hero, right? Because she's there in China when the rest of the family kind of left. She's taking care of the grandmother. If she's not the hero, then Aiko's my hero. Right. All right. But bottom line, Mike. 
we fell in love with this family. Like, yeah. how could you not? Yeah. Like, Lulu Wong basically gave us a chance to hang out with her family and to love her family, and it's and it's portrayed very honorably, respectfully, and I, I'm really grateful for that. I think we both are. Yeah, absolutely. I, it's just like you said, you kind of hit it out of the park when you said it just feels like you're hanging out with one of your friends and just seeing the day-to-day life of their family and how it works. So the Oscar lens I think we want to put in focus is regarding original screenplay. Because typically a film like this, that's what's going to break through by a second-time feature filmmaker, that that new talent yeah. is going to get recognized, and especially in the original screenplay category. Yeah, but I keep going back to what we talk about when we talk about these major categories, director, screenplay, whatever, and mm-hmm. how Scott Feinberg, the Hollywood Reporter, when we had him on, he was making the point that the Academy likes people that work their way up, likes people that pay their dues, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know that this would necessarily win, even if it were to make nomination. Is it worthy of an original screenplay nom? I put it in the same boat as I put Aquafina's performance, to be honest with you. I think mm-hmm. right now it's, it's probably there. I don't know that I feel confident in saying that it would be come awards time. Yeah, for me it's like three or four. Again, it's like three or four in that category. Right. Now, what... It, what does our rankings matter? Yeah, exactly. is, is it a top tier film? Is my question. I just don't know if it's if it's showy enough. I mean, it's very reserved, and it is. She really allows her cast kind of to do do the heavy lifting with the emotional scenes, or it's subtle in how it's pulling things off emotionally. So I think studying this movie, we might recognize more of her hand at work in the script. I, I know I added points from my first watch to my second watch, for sure. But overall, let's let's dive into the big categories, director and picture. It's on a lot of top ten lists as of now in terms of best picture projections. I see it in Clayton Davis, for instance, at Award Circuit, that like number seven for Lulu Wong at, in director. That's a good sign Yeah, early, early going sure. here because he's projecting long term. So it's got a good shot. The critics' applause is going to help it. The box office, when it opens in China, it's going to make good money, and it continues to make money with this platform release. Yeah, in the way that I said that even if you weren't a fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you kind of had to be respectful of at least how professionally done it was and how professional it looked and looked like a higher-quality film. I feel the same about this one. I, you know, I'm not as engrossed with this story as I was with the Tarantino film, but I, I'm very respectful of how well it is and how, how polished it seems to have been pulled off, especially by some relative newcomers to the field up and down the card gun to our heads though we're thinking it does get boxed out at the end of the day we were talking about in the pre-production yeah i i I, i'm hoping for it i'm rooting yeah we would be happy if this movie got nominated we want more movies like this sure yeah absolutely but you know if ladybird didn't win anything if, if Tony Collette and Hereditary yeah. didn't get nominated. If eighth grade didn't get nominated. If eighth grade didn't land nomination for screen, you know, yeah, I, I think there's there's more precedence to suggest this will be boxed out than there is to say it'll sneak through. Then again, something like First Reform does get in. Yep, because of Paul Schrader was attached to it, who's a longtime suffering member of the Academy, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there's that's, all kinds of that's a strange variation. Yeah. but okay. Last thing to do in non spoilers: watch or don't watch, Mike. Oh, this is definitely a watch, without definitely. question. I mean, do you is, have a grandmother? Do you know an old person? Right. I, this is going to be something that's going to give you some kind of value, no matter where you are in Absolutely. life. Absolutely. You know, like I said, this is the great difference between you and I. You you were fortunate to still have your grandmother with you today. You yeah. saw her, were able to relate to it in that way. I saw stuff about it, even though I lost my grandparents years ago. So I think anyone that, that sees this movie is going to walk away probably feeling some kind of something. And bring your family to go see yeah. it. Like, this is the perfect film to do that with subtitles it's almost effortless to deal to, to deal with the subtitles in this particular film i think that's something we didn't well. really mention this yeah. is the majority of this film is subtitles it's in mandarin right and i don't think it's an issue because you have a lot of static shots and you have characters that pause between speaking like it's not just an in-your-face non-stop and it's not run lola run with subtitles right sometimes the subtitles can be a little distracting I would say it's not, you know, the visual marvel where you have to look and read at the same time. That could be difficult at times. Like Roma, I had to watch it a few times really to to get my eyes away from the subtitles and actually watch watch some of the uh, the shots. I almost wish A24 didn't buy it for distribution because then we might be talking about it as an international feature. I know, it and would then be we could there. be talking about a whole different category that doesn't qualify for now. Good movie, though. Yeah, oh yeah. Go Great see movie. it, Definitely and see it. Uh, after you see it, come back and listen to the spoiler section. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 
Oscars. Mike, Mike, and Oscar, Oscar spread spoilers. This is the spoiler section for The Farewell, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar as part of our Oscar Sprint profile for the 2019-2020 Academy Awards season and show. If you've not seen the movie yet, this is a good place for you to hit pause. Go watch it. We'll be waiting for you when you come back to hit play on us. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts or if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you can't go another minute without hearing what happens, this is where you want to be. All spoilers all the time as we talk about all the plot, the ups and downs, and best and worst of Lulu Wong's The Farewell, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, let's start with some immediate carryovers. Yeah, it's the plot premise, which I avoided reading in the non-spoiler section. A Chinese family discovers their grandmother has only a short while left to live and decides to keep her in the dark, scheduling a wedding to gather before she dies. Mike, we wanted to start off this spoiler section with, I don't know, a debate. What would we do? It's a big question. Would we lie to our grandparent or would we, would we perpetuate that lie? Because this is the biggest spoiler of the movie I'm about to say. That post-credit scene, we realize one, Nainai is still alive after being diagnosed as stage four lung cancer. Amazing. Six years later, she is still alive. God bless that woman. And Lulu Wong said this after many cryptic interviews. I finally watched a Q&A session where she explicitly said, Nai Nai still doesn't know. That's amazing. She still doesn't know she has this cancer. That's amazing. So the, this family puts together this real wedding that's not a real wedding. It's this elaborate hoax that the cousin... Is it, though? Uh, yeah, that's, well, that's a big question. That's like, one they... of my big issues is that... If this isn't a real <laughs> wedding that the cousin is putting on, he's, he's putting on to be married to his girlfriend who he's only been with for three months or six months, I don't remember, mm. but if it's not a real wedding, why is the girl going along with this if he's, she's only known him for she's three or six months? a great friend, and I think she really wants <laughs> this relationship to turn into something. She's really I mean, she doesn't deep. speak yeah. the language. Right. She she's, needs a translator at the wedding itself. It's ambiguous. Like, we don't get it. Like, if she agreed to this wedding, like, why isn't she more affectionate? And it's hilarious right. to watch the grandmother take the wedding photos and that face she makes, which my <laughs> grandmother makes. And it, it's great. Like, what are the, what did they do when I'm not around? Like, what do they do when they're in bed? Like, it's a hilarious scene. And that's some, where some of the comedy comes from, is that everybody goes to China now to be with the grandmother, to be with Nai Nai, because she does have this stage four diagnosis. They're all keeping it from her. They're all there under the guise of there being a wedding. And so they can't really hide their emotions emotions right. because they know that she's got this terminal illness but they can't let her know so to her she's like why does everyone look so sad all the time the, are you jet lagged it's crazy because <laughs> the fact that lulu wong made this movie about nai nai who still doesn't know that she's terminally ill that's like an extension of the movie like the pre-production is a is part of the actual storyline because nai nai wanted it, it's just a bunch of fun anecdotes lulu wong getting interviewed she was like you have to come to Chang Chun, you can't. You have to shoot it here. Like, where else would you shoot it? Why would you shoot it in any other part of China? And it's hilarious to watch them talk. So it's like about a whole this. meta thing about having to go back there. You're making a movie about me. I guess she knows they're making a movie about her. Like, of course you'd shoot it here. That's and another question. So if they know they're making a movie about her, why does she think they're making a movie about her if she doesn't know that she's got this diagnosis? She doesn't know, and it's funny to watch Lulu Wong talk about it because they're like, we're getting the China premiere ready. And I don't know how to handle it. Because they're like, will Nine I see this? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, Brad gesture here from Lebowski. <laughs> she still doesn't know. It's insane. My question is, after seeing the post-credit and seeing that Nine is still in good health and still with us, God bless her, why did this movie get made? Mike, I was angry at it the first time I saw it. Like, you, like, I'm like in tears after the, the first watch. Right. I'm like, wait a minute. You made me suffer through all that to give me this happy post-credit scene? Which I, watching the second time, I'm like, all right, of course it's happy. And I'm like, I'm, I was like, Mike, this is what I was angry about because I told you I was angry about something at the end of the movie. And you were like, come on, Mike, it's happy. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I mean, I'm happy to see it. I'm happy she's okay. Right. I'm still here, but... Wait, wait. Who, who went to Lulu Wong and was like, you gotta make this movie about you lying to this old woman, even though she's still here? And the main perpetrator, Lu Hong, her little nai-nai, her great aunt, is in the movie, yeah. basically reprising her role. Now, another part of this movie is that in the movie, that character, Nai-Nai's mm -hmm. sister, yeah. explains that she and Nai-Nai had to do this same lie 
with their father once yeah. upon a time, or grandfather once her, upon yeah. a time. Her brother-in-law, yep. So somewhere in Nine-Eye's mind, she has to think this is a possibility. I'm thinking the whole time that Nine-Eye kind of knows. Right? And then I'm like, wait a minute, at the end of the movie, maybe she really doesn't know. <laughs> and then knowing the fact that she's lasted six years... There's got to be a lot of good mental vibes, right? Where if you believe in the karma, or if you believe in the psychological, psychosomatic, whatever thing. Yeah, right. I, like, I mean, some kind of higher power, like. Well, I just good. think yeah. they're right. Like, if you know you're gonna die, all the stress from that probably isn't good for your health. And the mother, well, that, yeah, yeah. And the I, big tell-offs, the big scene from the trailer, right? We have a saying in China: when people get cancer, <laughs> they die. That's funny in the trailer, and then in the movie, she actually, you know, adds another line. Yeah. Because when you you know know you die, it, it, you die. Well, that's the whole ethical argument and that whole ethical debate between that. Aquafina's Billy character and the rest of her family. And it comes to a crescendo during a late night when Billy can't sleep and she walks in on her father and her uncle who are now smoking cigarettes trying to deal with the stress. And her uncle basically yells at her and he's like, look, it's different in the East than in the West. In the West, your person belongs to you wholly. Right. In the East, your person is part of a bigger picture and part of a bigger structure. And part of that bigger structure's job is to carry the burden of guilt and carry the burden of all the of knowing what's going to happen to you so the person that's sick doesn't have to. Right. And God, that, I mean it's such a, a, a debate in my head as to whether that's right or wrong. I think that's the entire point of bringing it up in the movie. He made such a compelling argument, and this movie makes such a right. compelling argument that I kind of agree with it. Like, right. I think it's so well-intentioned, like the doctor says, it's such a good lie. It, it's truly, it comes from a true place of good. And it really seems like, in real life, it worked like a charm. She has six years. It's terminal stage four lung cancer. I mean, if that was truly the case, she's survived six years since then now, because of... we're looking at it from 30,000 feet away. Yes. If I had stage four lung cancer and I had to find out and my family was keeping the secret from me, I'd be furious. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, so I don't know what the right answer is in the, in the, in the approach and how to handle well, this. Well, they say it in the movie. It would be illegal. Right. In, in America, United yeah. It's, it's, you, can't, you can't do that. You, you can't, can't forge talk to, medical There's records. all kinds of different, you know, you think patient and doctor confidentiality. You can't tell a family member something without telling the patient. It's all kinds of legal extremities, yes. Absolutely. But just on the basis of were it to happen... Ethically speaking, I don't know what the right approach is because if it does come from this true place of well-intentioned good as to why the, the Chinese do this, and this is a customary in their culture, it blows my mind. It does. So we're going to talk about a couple topics with the plot line before we get into best and worst. Because these are, these are like more best, but more interesting things to talk about here. I love the fam family dynamics in this film. I think they really rang true Never mind the, the fact that we remembered our grandparents, mm -hmm. and everybody does. But I love the fact that you go in, you think that Aquafina's character of, of Billy's going to blow it in that first scene, like she's not talking, right? When she shows, when she up, she shows, in shows China. up in China. So they, they think they're going to leave Billy behind. They tell her to stay in New York, and she goes on her own and goes with the family. Not with the family, yeah. but on her own to China to meet up with the family. But the two worst poker players. The best <laughs> poker player is little Nai Nai, the sister. Yeah. The two worst poker players are the two sons, the yeah. two fathers. Of course. And they're the ones giving you the the biggest arguments to the, the kids. Right. The grandkids. Right. And and that seems proper, right? Like, they, they're the one they know they're their sons. mother is, is going to pass. It, it just rings so true. But it, I love how she set you up and then gave you that re reversal throughout the film. And the whole family is doing a great job in that scene, too, when, when Billy walks through the door for the first time. Because everybody stops. And nobody moves a muscle mm. until they Billy gives them the sign that she's going to go along with the lie, at least for now. That works so well. And again, that's like a subtle screenwriting trick. And I really think the screenplay is strong here. You have the mother telling her off in Act Two, and then you have her telling the mom off in Act Three. Yeah. But it's not it's not like mean spirited. Not disrespectful. It's not disrespectful. You don't get a snarling one character's a snarling villain like we see in biopics all no, the time. It's a different of it's a culture clash. Is right. exactly what it is. And her mother's tied to the ways of the old East, and Billy is more Americanized, and that's what this entire movie is. Because there was a point in this movie. It's not really concentrated on it all, but during before that argument, Billy is lying to her parents mm -hmm. about the fellowship and right. just saying she hasn't heard yet. She lies to Nine Eye about the fellowship, saying she hasn't heard yet until she finally reveals until that she has. Is. But it's this value system of what weighs more. Like mm -hmm. in Western culture, we'll lie to our parents just to keep them out of our hair. Mm -hmm. In Eastern culture, they'll lie to their parents for the good of their parents yeah, to keep is, them closer. This is an episode of Friends. 
this whole thing. I will, I tried to break down Friends at one point, right? Like, what's the secret of the show? Why is it so mm-hmm. popular? Mike, that show is characters lying to each other <laughs> from start to finish of every episode. There's always some charade. There's always that. They're liars. They're the word. They're pathological liars. Every single character in that show is a pathological liar, and we love them for it. Now, these are all white lies. These are all kind right. lies, but it's truly the it's same thing. It's not stage thing. four lung cancer it lies. It works perfectly for a drama for, because you, you to have those secret things and to pay them off later in the film and to have characters not know things that other characters do know. It adds suspense. It adds all kinds of goods. And I really love the fact that screenplay-wise, she's got, she's got a, a story that fits good fundamental storytelling. I did want to mention something about the style of the film, and there's like three things about the style. Number one, we have the bird. We have the three bird scenes. What do you think that meant? There's a bird in her apartment in New York. There's yeah. a bird in her hotel room, the same looking bird in her hotel room in, in China, and then when she does that final ha, you get all the birds and that one VFX shot that wasn't great, leave the tree it's, back in Changchun. To me, it was indicative of what was coming because the first bird right was right before she decides to leave for China, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The second bird, she wakes up and that morning she finds out that Nine and I went to the hospital. So that's when she's kind of engrossed in the lie already. And then she's trying to deal with it and she does the ha. Right. So I think it's, I, I, I just got it as they were indicators of big shifts in emotionally in the movie. Do you have a yeah. different interpretation? Well, I think it, it means connection. Like we have birds, you have birds. The birds fly, they migrate from yeah. one spot to another. I think that's symbolically fits like the basketball at the end of He Got Game in a way. Throws the basketball, it lands in the other playground kind of fit. Those two shots reminded me of one. I just thought that was fascinating. Okay, so the next big stylistic thing to me was like the anecdote about the professional criers during the mother's first tell-off of her. I thought this was hilarious. It was very funny the way they pulled it off. And for them to pull off... Great job with the editing. Anecdote there, like an anecdote of humor was was different. I wasn't expecting that. That was one of the best scenes in the movie. That what leads into them at the cemetery, because I guess for... That's, is custom there. They need to honor the people that are part of their family that have passed on. So they're at the grandfather's gravesite, mm-hmm. offering him oranges and bananas and cookies and cigarettes. And they're having this whole conversation about whether they should peel the oranges. Got to peel it because otherwise he won't eat it. Uh, he doesn't smoke anymore. Mom, he always smoked. He just lied to Love you about not smoking. <laughs> they're having an argument. Meanwhile, this guy's dead. <laughs> It's a ritual. Right, Right, it's a ritual. It's just custom. And and some of them don't even take it seriously. Some of them do. Like, Billy just wants, like, to throw the bag of chips down there, the bag of cookies. (laughs) Like, no, you have to take them out of the bag. It's it's really funny. Uh, The the final stylistic thing for me was that that slow-mo walk sequence that you have in Act 2 of just her, and then in Act 3, really, the break in Act 3, it's the whole family together. And you got that light blue background. That's the gif I want, by the way, on Twitter. I want that gif. <laughs> I, it, it made me tear up the first time I watched it, knowing that we just had her by herself the first time, and then all the family together taking it on together. It's really symbolic. It really worked for Relationship me. dynamics is a huge part of this movie, if you haven't gotten that by now, because there's not really any scenes, or many scenes anyway, where there's one character and we're just seeing them left to their own thoughts. There's a couple times we do it with Billy, but most of this film is Billy interacting with some member of their family, whether it's having a heart-to-heart with mom and, and the mother saying that she hates the part of the culture where if you're not bawling your eyes out and you're not you know making a big scene, people think you're not being sad enough. Mm-hmm. And Or it's Billy talking with her uncle and her father about the you know debating the ethics of what they're doing. Or it's Billy ingratiating and showing her relationship with her grandmother and very heartwarming and giving that grandmother character a more well-rounded backstory. So there's not really a whole lot of downtime with just one person left to their own thoughts. I wonder if that also is intentional because when you have a large family like that, whether you are Chinese, Italian, American, whatever, mm-hmm. usually family get-togethers, there's not a lot of peace and quiet. There's a lot of arguing. And then, yeah, the fact that the grandma's able to just, all right, enough, kids. And I I love that fact, too. You got big lies in this movie, right? Sure. It's an episode of Friends. It really Mm -hmm. is. But you also have a ton of little truths, and like we said in the production values, authenticity throughout. You know, the grandmother telling the sad story about living alone. 
you know, the, the big scene where the grandmother's doing morning exercise with Billy there. My grandma and I used to do I goofy stuff yeah. like that all the time where she would run in place and show me her exercises. <laughs> I'd be like heckling her for stuff. Like it would happen all the time. Uh, wonderful story about the preacher who gave them the keys to the church when they immigrated over. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really touching. And then you got authenticities like the massage marks on her back. <laughs> From that... The, the cup, the hot cup uh, massage, right. yeah. And how about, you know, like the payoff to the classical musical training? Aquafina, literally a psychological mess at that point in the movie. She plays like this awful monta- montage or whatever you call call a bunch of songs thrown together. No. Every, like, whatever sequence she remembered from all the classical music she'd learned. What do you take as the significance of that? Was she... Because she commented earlier... and about like how times change and times move on. It's been so long since she's seen her grandmother. Grandmother asking, do you still play? Do you still practice piano? She says, no, I don't. And then the next time we see her around a piano, she walks right up to it. And again, it's during a big hubbub. The family's cleaning up from dinner. And she just sits down and bangs out this beautiful piano piece. Yeah, but it's it's like 10 songs put together. And right, only, I mean, it's and it's, not... it's a mess. It, it reminded me of when my father taught my parrot too many fight songs, <laughs> college fight songs. The parrot... Didn't think this is the direction we were going in. When the parrot had one fight song, (laughs) the parrot was fine. But then the parrot became... (laughs) The parrot knew like 15 fight songs and would mesh them all together. Now, I don't mean to say that Billy's a parrot here, but she does like this. It's almost like her way to do like this emotional outburst in that scene because like I'm fed up with all this bullshit yeah and she's like so, trying to prove to her grandmother in some way that she's, she's playing it really it. loud yeah no I don't think she's trying no? to prove it I think she's like fuck you guys I can't believe we're dealing with all this shit and I, I'm gonna play all these to songs drown out really the loud noise. to drown out yeah. all the BS in Maybe. the background I don't know that's how I took it but I, I love that sequence so let's get in a couple worse here before we kind of highlight this wedding takes best. place during the day the what? end of this wedding is in the middle of the day. What the hell are they wearing to the wedding? Like, <laughs> Billy's wearing what she wore on the plane. <laughs> she literally has the same outfit that she had on the plane at the wedding. I'm more forgiving of that if only because... <laughs> like, it's a the, dream come true. The entire family right. knows it's a fake wedding. But you, you can wear your comfy clothes at a wedding. It, that That's pretty good. I don't understand how everyone's getting trashed. And, like, they're, they're drinking, they're playing games, they're having fun. And then Billy takes the huge pivotal step of deciding to take the furthest step within this lie racing out to the hospital to try and stop Nine Eyes Records from getting to Nine Eyes Hands without them being forged and she's made committing different. an American crime yeah that's well that's her embracing true. the lie but I yeah, mean, she's doing the most she's decided absolutely. she's made her decision I'm going to side with my family this is the best for Nine Eyes I can't let her know the grandmother unbeknownst to the rest of them sent her maid slash right. helper to uh, go pick up her records to pick up her records her test results and she was going to learn about it during the wedding. Right. Because she was coming back to the wedding because the grandmother's like, I got to know now. Maybe the grandmother was suspicious. Who knows? Who could be? That would have thrown the whole... That thing would have become a disaster because so such a matriarch. People are trash and it's like 2 p.m.? <laughs> like she brought out of there? It's bright sunshine. Dude, that's like a 1,200. <laughs> that's a long-ass race that Aquafina had to run there. That's hard. Like imagine us. Like we would be good... In that dress, no less, yeah. 100 meters. Yeah, no shoes. Even though non-comfy shoes for her com- she had comfy clothes I don't I still am <laughs> hung up on the whole outfit thing that's literally what she wore on the plane <laughs> yeah yeah Good yeah, for her. No, she was happy. No, but it's, uh, Lulu Wong is so stylish. She, she's going all these red carpets. She's wearing these gorgeous attires. Oh, my God. I mean, she looks like a hundred million bucks. And then her character, her surrogate character, is wearing that goofy thing. Uh, convenience story slash joke in the beginning of the movie about the cat getting on the roof. That's too convenient. I, I, I've seen it in every single freaking movie where they tell a story stating the theme yeah. about the movie to set you up. Early on, well, it's either it's either a joke or it's a classroom scene or you know, it's a funny scene. Right, it's a good scene. Right, it's a good joke. I'm tired of the trope, and it's <laughs> the, it's better like the reactions to the joke because the guy's like, "Wait a minute, I told you this joke," <laughs> and then the father's like, "Oh yeah, that's just such a natural." Like, I don't reaction. have a lot of jokes. So great scene for a, a trope that right. annoyed me. The only other major issue I had was. Again, getting into the mind of this poor girl being forced to do mm-hmm. this mock wedding where she's the bride, can't speak to anyone, only knows you just one have person. Questions. Yeah. Uh, well, is she like. She's a hero. She's going against her will? <laughs> like, oh, no. 
Like, I'm so... No, I she's going along. This. She's obviously going along with it. The question is... Are they lying to her? She doesn't speak the language. She could be being told the story. I don't know. Is she a hired actor? <laughs> we don't even know that. For me, though, like, the walk up to the hotel room. Like, what was the purpose of that? Where she's just yesing her uncle to death? or No, that was, uh, that's a best scene. That she's scene. literally walking up after... Oh, all the stairs. After this scene with her uncle. All the stairs, and then the guy's, like, asking her questions that we already know the answers yeah. to. I, is it just, like, repetition to give us an exposition dump there? Is it showing us that China really doesn't have economically everything together like we, we thought? I, I don't know. I don't want to take any big thing about it. It's yeah. just a long-ass walk up a... Hotel. I don't know. I'll be honest. It's not something that registered with me when I first saw it. So I, I, I didn't give it much thought. It seemed the first time. a bit superfluous. All right. Finish up with some bests. Uh, I loved all the telling Billy stuff. Those scenes were great. We kind of already hit on them. You have a first best here, Mike? Yeah, I got a lot of bests. All the funny moments. But mm-hmm. so we're in this very serious, you know, we're, we're talking to the doctor that this grandmother has stage four cancer yes. and Billy realizes she can speak English to the doctor and Nai Nai can't speak English. So they're able to talk about it right in front of her without her really knowing what's going on. And Nai Nai, all she cares about is that this is an attractive single doctor talking to her it's granddaughter. Really funny. And can you date her? Matchmaker. That's Match. so funny to me. And it's such a dichotomy between like what's actually going on the, and what's going on in Nai Nai's head. And it's also like, cause the grandmother and the granddaughter, those two are are alike in a way, but they have the closest relationship. They have the close, but they break each other's balls oh, yeah. the whole movie. Yeah. Like she's like, well, why aren't why, why aren't you married yet, Billy? And she's like, well, because I want to be independent. And then basically, Billy gives it back to her. It's like, why are you living with this idiot, this old guy? And she's, aren't you still independent just as much living with him? She's like, ah, oh, crap. Because she gives him the whole thing. She gives him the whole thing about, oh, you need someone to take care of you. Well, that guy takes care of you. Yeah, right. I love that scene. <laughs> it was the greatest scene. The big emotional scenes worked. Too like you like again we kind of already mentioned these uh, the East and West speech mm-hmm. I, I really thought that was a great payoff made it a hell of an argument look finding the earrings that's Aquafina's big scene was that yes. enough for an Oscar nomination that's a great scene all around the mom tell off but it's really not it's not a question of if it's enough because I don't I don't think a big emotional outburst would have worked in the theme of this movie anyway yeah because it certainly doesn't seem like that's how this family handles their strife. Mm-hmm. With big emotional outbursts and big scenes of crying and stuff, no. so I think it would have been out of place if we were looking for it traditionally uh, through an Oscar lens of what gives us a best actress performance. Like to me, the fact that she's able to measure herself in that scene right. is the best acting job. Right. I know she's breaking down, but at the same time, she's holding back. And she makes a great argument just based on the theme of the movie, talking about how you know I understand you guys do this your way, and this is the culture and everything, but. It has impacts on people personally. And, and if you want to talk about a clash of cultures, that's one thing. But I know just as a girl here, when my grandfather died, I wasn't allowed to say goodbye. And that's rang, that's stuck with me. I haven't really dealt with that emotionally. I haven't gotten over that yet. So this culture, this way of doing things has impacts on other people, not just the person whose feelings you're trying to spare by keeping this lie. And it's really a venting situation for Billy's character. Oh, yeah. Because what does she do at the end of it? Not only does she go along with the lie and perpetuates it, but she saves it from falling on a She face. makes the biggest step to keep the lie going. I agree. Absolutely. So it's it's a moment where you think she's telling off the mom, like, yeah, my childhood was hard. And the mother agrees, agrees with her, mm-hmm. essentially. And it, it's a moment where they come together. And it, it looked like this big scene, but actually it's her saying, you know, all right, I'm venting here, and then I'll go along Blowing with you. Steam, yeah. Still. So a lot of funny scenes. The earring joke right at the beginning is funny with the grandma, based on an actual lie right at the, yep. the beginning of the That's movie. That's how the title card, the first title card we see is based on an actual lie. I thought that was funny. She gets in there, you're not that skinny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gets the China season grandmother. Uh, I thought it was hilarious. Nobody takes shots at your personal appearance like your family. And the, the, one of my favorite scenes of the movie, never mind a funny scene, the I know, I know, I know scene. The yeah, I love mom. that. I love that. That yeah, has nothing to do perfect. with culture. Right. That, that's every kid that's ever had a conversation with an adult. A, an adult or a boring uncle. Yeah. Like, I have an uncle who can get boring at times. I love him. <laughs> he can be a little repetitive. My father gets that way. He's like repetitive. This, that's what I thought. This yeah. is me and my father. He's just <laughs> reciting the rules that he knows I know, and I know I know, but he just needs to tell me again. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, we mentioned in the hospital, Dr. Song, are you married? Uh, the wedding sequence. 
I think we can kind of finish There's with this. There's so here. many good laughs in the wedding as well. I mean, the uncle giving a toast and then breaking down and bawling his eyes out because he, he's having the toughest time dealing with the lie. You had the drunk uncle right off the bat. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had the son breaking down, telling his story. You had the everybody's breaking out. Like the army guy revealing that when they were in the army, like, I plan to marry yeah. you. Yeah. Like, I love I that story. That was a great thing. Then there's ki- the, the wedding traditions. Like we have all these crazy traditions mm-hmm. at our weddings. We all do. We know this. Karaoke's a big deal out there and they had karaoke at the wedding. Like I would have thought <laughs> I'm surprised. Not only karaoke, but like you just come off the heels of Billy being forced by Nai Nai to give a speech, yeah. and she's she's doing her own. Everyone that gives a speech, she can is barely holding it together if they are at all. Sure. And Billy's really down and solemn. She doesn't even remember to say congratulations to the quote unquote bride and groom. She has to come back and return to say that. And then right on the heels of this really sad speech, it's her and her father singing karaoke to the Fuji's "Killing Me Softly," which was hilarious. hilarious. And then. All the old people and the young people get together and play drinking games. Yeah. I think that's like, the why isn't that a tradition at every wedding? <laughs> I love that. Like, I love that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many little things in this that, like, they give you the family dynamic of making you feel like this ensemble of people is actually truly within one another. And they have these individual relationships within the higher family dynamic and the family relationship. And, and then I the, love groom, it. the groom breaks down after he's forced to that do most of the drinking. The funniest scene. Oh, God. When he's just, there's opera singing going but then on. he's really breaking yeah. down. I mean, it's it, it's sad after you realize what's happening. Yeah. But the way it was edited, there's just opera singing in the background and this groom who's been fed nothing but shot after shot after shot. Why would you do that to the groom, by the way? there, <laughs> bawling his eyes out out of nowhere until everyone needs the comfort. And again, it's Aquafina, it's Billy, who rushes him to the bathroom so Nai Nai can't see, before Nai Nai can see, to wonder what the hell's going on. It's it's great to see that. I, I lied. One more scene, the goodbye. Like, saying goodbye to Nai Nai broke my heart the first time. Your grandparents always came out, no matter who you are, your grandparents wave goodbye to you mm-hmm. when the grandkids leave. Uh, for, uh, from Very the sad. visit, and that was that, that hit me hard because my grandparents would always do that. We actually would make fun of them. But here they come out again. They're gonna <laughs> wave to us for ten minutes while we're trying trying to get in the car. We would make fun of them. But that's shit you remember. Yeah, of course. Uh, it's it's great. So it makes your grandparents your grandparents, right? Exactly. Yeah. All right, so let's wrap it up here, Mike. Let's give this a final grade, the farewell. Uh, obviously a movie both of us have an appreciation for. We yeah. both think there's some intricacies and some nuances that are really worth seeing and really worth highlighting. Is it an Oscars contender? That remains to be seen, I think, for the both of us, where there's a lot of people online that are very, very high as far as Oscars potential for this. What's your final grade? B plus 88 for me. I think it fits with my other 88s. I think it's it's around my 8 or 9 movie on the year so far. Maybe I'm a little low on it compared to others. I, I think it's a, a movie that every time I watch it, I'm probably going to add points to it. Yeah. And I kind of already watched the movies 1 through 7 on my list so many times. <laughs> so I've seen it twice. I might you know, keep putting it up. This is a movie that I want to show family members. I want to sit down with my mom and watch this film. I want to, and, and I, I want to be able to do that for, for my brothers. Yeah, they it's, kept it within the PG movie. range for a reason. I think it is a family movie. It's yeah. something someone of all ages can probably get something out of. Uh, the three-point curve rings true. I'm an 85B, hard B all day. I think this is a very polished, very professional movie. Again, you know, my only hang-up is, is it an Oscars movie? I don't think so. I, I was expecting more emotion, but again, like we just talked about, I can see why the restraint was where it was, and it makes sense thematically. Mm-hmm. Do you take that into account? If we're going to give Ryan Gosling some credit for being so reserved playing Neil Armstrong true don't we have to give this a couple more points maybe and maybe this will get more momentum and credit as the time goes on we get nearer to the show uh, we will see but give us a hundred more movies like this we give, yeah, give, let absolutely. everybody tell their like I want more movies like this I love, this was a great time at the movies this is something that you think about you talk about and this was a fun podcast exercise we want to talk about stuff like this so more original properties <laughs> more Lulu Wong we're big fans now yeah absolutely uh, co-sign everything you just said we want to hear from from you, dear listener, as always, you could reach out. We want to hear your comments, questions, thoughts, concerns about this, or anything else we do in the MMO Empire. You can reach out to us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available everywhere you do hear, do hear podcasts, is what that word should have been. Uh, just type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar. You will see our cartoon faces smiling back at you. That includes Apple Podcasts. And like we said at the top of the show, if you could please take the time out of your day for three seconds and just scroll down. <laughs> 
on the Mike Mike and Oscar page and click the five star review. That would go a far, far way for us. We would truly appreciate really that. Helps. And if you want to leave a little comment for us, we can give you a shout out during one of these shows as well. Uh, otherwise, Michael, let's get these people some words of wisdom and something uh, what's coming up next from MMO. And it's an actually an episode that doesn't go 85 minutes for a change. Wow. Good, good on us for once, but uh, yeah, this is a, this was a tight, efficient movie. Were we tight and efficient? No. In response? No. Absolutely not. No. But this movie was good. This, yeah, this was good. Uh, hug your nine eyes, hug your Grammys, yeah. hug your Nanas. That's the word of wisdom. If you still got them, love them and, and hang out with your family. This is one of those movies that really encourages you to do that. Uh, see Lulu Wong movies going forward. Yeah. I, I know I'm going to. Uh, I'm excited about Aquafina's career going forward as well. So, that, again, very exciting. You got new stars on the rise here. Uh, in terms of what we're doing next, we got MMO Weekly and the Oscar Race Checkpoint Show. Those are our two weekly endeavors. Those Google documents are filling up. We had a ton of Academy news so yesterday. So much news with this Oscar Race Checkpoint this weekend. So a lot of news that we're going to hit on, a lot of Hollywood hot takes that we're going to touch upon in MMO Weekly and this next Checkpoint episode. We got new segments that we're going to debut. Uh, we got some fun stuff that we're going to do throughout the rest of August, some more Oscar Sprint profiles. We're we're going to make an announcement, we think, we hope, on a MMO Weekly coming soon about the next rewatch series. It'll be a shorter one, but we're, we're going to do a character study, and we're really excited It'll be about a more it. fun one. It's not going to be a deep dive into all kinds of different movies. It's more literally studying a character a throughout character. cinematic history. You could probably guess, but it's going to be fun, <laughs> and we may start that sooner than later because we got some weeks that are going to get filled up, so we may go like... Seven episodes on the series, but it'll be like seven out of the next ten weeks leading up to the new film. And God willing, there'll be like 40, 45-minute episodes. I say that now. <laughs> we'll see how it actually turns out. Uh, guys, as always, we thank you for the ride. We thank you for listening. When reality does suck, you can come watch movies like The Farewell with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Like Mike said, go hug your loved ones. We'll see you soon. See ya. See ya.